Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. Thank you for the listening and thank you for the subscriptions, the downloads, the ratings, the reviews. Uh, that's how iTunes markets podcasts. We've talked about that. And so I appreciate it. And if you have something bad to say about the show, say it to my guests. Don't say it to me. I, I just I don't want to hear it. Uh, this is episode 291. And uh, I have been asked on social and I'm not I don't have an idea. No, I don't know what episode 300 is. I, I, I don't have a plan. I will get there at some point. Uh, for those of you who know my career and where it started, one of the first sports I ever covered was lacrosse. Uh, I covered the Syracuse University lacrosse team, their final four years, 1995 and 1996. Um, I got my uh, broke in as a sideline reporter. And I got to call, uh, call a couple of lacrosse games and I went to the lacrosse final four and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I actually still watch Syracuse lacrosse back in episode 124. Yes, 124. And if you go to the iTunes feed, this evens out. We had Nick Sakevich, who is the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. And I remember talking to him back and I actually re-listened to this getting ready for this podcast. And I said, does this league have a shot to be a player? And he said that there is a niche of people who adore lacrosse. They will love the National Lacrosse League. Well, the pandemic has impacted sports all over the landscape. And a lot of times what we talk about on the show are billionaires that are crying about losing millions. And it really doesn't really tell the story of how much the pandemic has impacted the sports landscape. The National Lacrosse League suspended 2020. They tried to start a spring season. That didn't go. They are planning to have a fall 2021 season. And all I know is I'll be vaccinated and I will be at one of their games. Our guest today is the host of the National Lacrosse League, uh, she is also a broadcaster with the Philadelphia Wings, uh, and from just getting to know her in a little bit, uh, she sounds like a really, really interesting storyteller, and I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast. Please welcome everyone, Devin Caney. Devin, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I appreciate you asking me to come on. You know, one of the things that came up we were talking about it because i do want to talk about lacrosse and and how lacrosse can be sold to fans and you know modern sports are really you know people have the options you have apps to watch whatever you want it's not just linear and broadcast television what was it like working for the nll let's see how my lingo there uh <laughs> what was it like working there and getting the call that the season wasn't going to happen because logically without a major financial television deal, it didn't make sense to play and put everyone at risk. It sucked. Um, I just to Thanks be for coming on. No. <laughs> right? No, I mean, I, I am a very honest person, so I'm going to keep it honest with you. People don't want to hear those canned answers, you know, like it's for the best, blah, blah, blah. It friggin' sucks. Um, but I will say, you know, it's just been this pandemic has been super long for everyone, right? Like it's crazy to look back and think like just how, like it's March again, you know, like we've been doing this for a full year now. And 
no one really knew how long this was going to last. Like I remember last summer, we were kind of in talks of doing a bubble in the summer to finish last season. And then that didn't happen because everyone thought, you know, we'll be back to normal by fall. Clearly that wasn't going to happen. It got pushed to April and we really were all set and ready to go for a bubble in April of this year. it was it really just came down to a very unfortunate series of events mostly including the canadian border and uh, the different laws you know for different provinces states and countries because we are in a very unique position where our players uh have other jobs like they can't quarantine for two full weeks we can't quarantine over 100 people on teams and league staff for two weeks um and most of our players and staff are Canadian. So it was just a whole lot of factors that kind of came together at the worst time. Um, and now we're just looking ahead to next season. And, you know, the way I look at it now is it stinks. It's unfortunate. Um, I personally, even before a pandemic, always hated the off season because I love being busy. I love going to games. I love covering games and traveling. Um, but traveling. I am looking forward oh, to, I know, I right? Traveling. traveling. Oh, I used to travel so much. It's wild that I haven't been on a plane in over a year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do, I am going to give you the canned response now because I really do truly believe that this is for the best. And I think these next, you know, few months until next fall will fly. And I'm excited to, to get the NLL fully back instead of, you know, a half-baked uh, bubble. Well, it's only natural, though, to ask about, the financial viability of the league, given the fact that there were literally no revenues coming in. I would imagine mm-hmm. with no operating costs, everything could stay relatively cost-free. I mean, were there tons of layoffs? Were teams in jeopardy? I know one team, the New England team, relocated to Albany. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things, you know, my heart immediately went out to the minor leagues in baseball. I, I wasn't interested in the major leagues. I didn't want to hear the Cubs owner talking about all the millions he was losing because his show me the profits for 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016. How far do you want to go back? This was a different situation. We had uh, Angel McCautry on the podcast. She's from the WNBA. And I, I thought the same thing. It's just this idea that um, normally in a normal situation, if you're coming on this podcast in normal times, I'm not asking about the financial viability of the Philadelphia Mm. wings, but in this circumstance, I just think it's natural to ask that. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to, you know, specific financials of each team. Um, I feel very fortunate to have kept my job through all of this because the sports industry has been just decimated. Like it's been ugly. I every time I get on Twitter and luckily, I mean, knock on wood, I do feel like it's slowed down, but I'm I've seen layoffs and just really talented people losing their jobs because of circumstances that are out of their control. And it 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 really stinks. Again, um, I will say the New England move was not about, you know, finances and the pandemic. It was just an ownership change and um, which happens in all sports. It happens in all sports. Yeah, it was in no way, you know, anything to be concerned about. We're actually one of a few leagues who've continued expanding through all of this. We added uh, a team in Fort Worth, Texas, who's going to start playing uh, this upcoming season. Because when you think lacrosse, you think Fort Worth, Texas. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Um, no, but it's, I mean, we, I think Nick and our leadership and our team owners have done a really good job of keeping us, you know, stable. And again, I'm just lucky to, to still have my job. Cause even though I hate the off season and I hate that this is the longest off season, hopefully I'll ever have to go through. Um, I just feel lucky to, to have kept my job through all of this. Well, yeah, agreed. And without getting uh, too personal, what, what did you do to stay on top of it? Uh, what was, how was the communication with the league? I mean, I, I assume you knew everything that was going on. So you didn't have to sit there like many people listening to this podcast and wonder whether or not your job was safe. Like what kind of assurances, how, just how did you spend your time and how, uh, uh, this sounds really dumb, but how did you stay busy and relevant because you have people that you want Look, you do great at social media. You have an Instagram account. You have things to make sure that people remember your name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's just it. I think it's just constantly making sure you're staying relevant without overdoing it. Um, it's been hard to, I don't run the NLO social, but I know that it's a constant struggle now just because it's been so long to think of fresh ideas. Um, but I've been, you know, pitching and creating, it's crazy to think back again, cause it's been so long, you know, we've already gone through a few different, um, virtual series. Like when this first started, we weren't sure how long it was going to last again. So, and we still had, you know, a ton of original content in the bank from the previous season that mm -hmm. we kind of went through all that after like the first month, like April of last year. Right. And that's then, like all the people that race to watch Ozark and the crown. And now right. they're like, what next? <laughs> yeah. Right. That was like quarantine season one. Um, right. And then, you know, it, we over the summer turned to Instagram lives and Zoom interviews, Skype interviews. Um, I did, you know, a roundtable with a few of our broadcasters. Uh, and then we still have our, you know, NLL tentpole events. We had our entry draft in September. Um, and we're going to have to have an expansion draft because we do keep expanding. So we do have those big events to also always, you know, build excitement around. And then I feel like I, every two weeks, you know, there's a new announcement from the league because again, we are growing and, you know, New England moved to Albany and, it's just been, a, and I'm not complaining about this, it's actually made my job easier as a host and senior producer of the league's content because there's constantly, you know, news to break and people to talk to um, within the NLL and the lacrosse world. This episode is presented by GoClip. And you know, the COVID-19 pandemic is still here, even though we're all excited about the vaccine and the possibilities of returning to whatever normal is, we still need to wear masks. And GoClip is a new product that's out that can actually make it easier to wear masks. Jeff Eagles is the co-founder and chief product officer of GoClip. And Jeff, Jeff, tell everybody what this is. Well, this is a, a great new product. It's it's a brand. It's part of a brand new category of products that we're calling mask optimization products. You know, there's a ton of different masks out there in the marketplace that people are using, uh, from medical grade to, you know, sort of homespun uh, styles and you know homegrown businesses. And we've really looked for solutions that make wearing all of those masks uh, more comfortable, more convenient, and a safer experience. So this particular product 
allows you to uh, attach the ear straps of a mask um, to your piece of headwear, and it works with all different types of headwear to relieve the pressure of ear straps uh, off of your ears uh, and make it a lot more comfortable to wear face masks. Basically, it's two clips that you can clip to a hat, a scarf. What, what other things can you can you attach these to? Can it be the straps of a helmet? From baseball cap to knit caps um, to headbands uh, to visors to surgeons caps. I mean, we've tested this on all different types of headwear. Um, so yeah, it attaches wherever uh, on the hat that you need it to attach to provide the most optimal fit of the mask. So if your straps need to uh, be a little bit further back or a little bit further forward, depending on the length of the straps and the elasticity of the straps. Basically, this helps you keep the mask on, it keeps it on in the right place, and it doesn't wrap around your ears. Exactly. So it's a lot more comfortable, especially for people wearing, having to wear masks for uh, six, seven, eight hours at a time. You can imagine shift workers, restaurant workers, food prep, frontline caregivers. Uh, creates uh, a lot of relief of that ear pain. It also um, provides different storage options for your mask. So when you're not using your mask, um, it allows you to store it up over your forehead, over the bill of your hat. For example, um, instead of putting that mask on the car seat, on the restaurant table, on the uh, in your pocket and all these different places that really uh, compromise the safety of the mask. And they come in black, white, navy, royal, and red. You can check them out at their website, thegoldclip.com. Jeff Eagles, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Don't forget to go to www.thegoldclip.com and check out GoClip because you still need to wear a mask. Let's put a bow on the pandemic. Take it okay. outside of lacrosse. Um, you saw sports do it differently. Um, just to give you a little background, I was very pro NFL. Uh, <laughs> I was very against college. I thought college sports shouldn't have happened. I thought that those kids weren't getting paid and they were being used as sacrificial lambs. Baseball, I was against the baseball season in 2020, not because, <laughs> of, well, partly because they didn't have a bubble. And secondly, they have a CBA that needs to be negotiated. And I wanted their commissioner and their union head to lock themselves in a hotel quarantine for 14 days and not come out until they can guarantee the safety and security. Because if baseball had canceled like the NLL did, people would have been mad. But the reality mm -hmm. of it is, is let's assume that we are past the rough part parts of this pandemic. You know, we're going to have full stadiums back soon, you know, so relatively mm -hmm. soon. And baseball will then have a labor stoppage. Like you think there's vitriol <laughs> that's stinking vitriol. Like that was crazy. And mm -hmm. I applauded the NBA and the NHL. I was, I was really supportive of those bubbles and I thought they did it very well. What was your thought on sports as it goes? And during this pandemic on, do you think it was smart that they played? Do you think that all the, the cases all over the place, was it getting irresponsible? I'm just curious to, to look at it from an outside perspective because the NLL kind of had its decisions made for it. Mm -hmm. The other sports didn't. Right. You're going to get me in trouble with this question. I feel like this has been such a hot topic, not just like sports, but I think everyone has a take on, you know, mask on mask off go to games go out don't go out um 
Oh, it's bonkers. And it's, it's bonkers. It, uh, this you country really, is yeah, so like, divided. It's crazy that I was talking about this with my friend, just like a little side note here, like we're afraid to post anything these days. Like even, you know, that I'm at dinner with more than two people because I don't want to get yelled at for yelled it. At. I, I said, um, wear a mask. And I lo I've lost about 800 to 1,000 followers just this pandemic from saying things like wear a mask or that I wasn't in favor of baseball or college football. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, so <laughs> before I just want to say I am pro mask, you know, I'm not you know, okay. I I'm taking this pandemic seriously. That being said, I work in sports, obviously, I'm biased towards them. Sports bring people together. I think we needed sports more than ever okay. this past year. And so I respect the the leagues that went ahead and did. I thought the NBA did an incredible job with their bubble. I thought the NHL did as well. Um, I mean, and even I know a lot of people had issues with it, but the NFL didn't seem to have too many problems. Yeah, I think there were a few weeks where kind of like what the NBA is going through now where certain players, you know, test positive or through contact tracing have to sit out. Um, but they figured it out and they finished the season. I will say... The one thing that I don't know if it made me, I guess it just made me frustrated because I live in Philadelphia and I feel like Philly, New York, you know, a lot of these big cities, uh, at least on the East Coast and West Coast, have been pretty strict and pretty responsible. So then turning on the TV to watch the Super Bowl and seeing a Tampa uh, stadium like yeah. look packed and then seeing everyone partying after with no masks on, it just makes me feel like I'm in a group project and like I'm doing all the work. And the other people are getting all the credit for it. <laughs> no, it, it, it's 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 crazy. And you know, I, I look, we we do a sports podcast. This is not a, but it turns into something political. Right. It always exactly. does. Always. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how health, public health, is 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 political. And I and I I don't mean to uh, go in that direction. Although, um, because I'm a big superhero person and I have a superhero podcast. Uh, I will say that the governor of Florida literally looks like a guy that belongs at the Legion of Doom in the Super Friends cartoon. He looks like he's sitting next to Gorilla Grodd and the Cheetah waiting to get instructions from Lex Luthor. He literally wow. looks like he looks maniacal when he talks. He literally <laughs> like like I feel like after he turns the mic off, he goes. <laughs> and it, it's just it's wild. It, it, it's and I but we have listeners in Florida and I'm sure we do. Um, yeah. And I have family down in Florida, so I, 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 I give a crap about what, what goes on. Um, the one aspect of the you know, sports as a whole, what I liked was I thought the fake crowd sound was brutal. And I liked when you didn't have the fake crowd sound, even though it was clearly a miss. Like I'd watch a college basketball game and they're, you know, they're up by three and they have a big defensive stop and nobody mm. makes a noise. I'd rather that than fake some guy in a thing, you know, pressing a button, you know, saying, okay, cheer now, cheer now. <laughs> like, I know, I, I know. Right. Like that's, those are the winners of this past year in the whole pandemic. Like the people who got the job as crowd noise producer. Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine doing that? <laughs> no, especially in Philly, like you have to inject booze into your own home stadium. Like you're the one responsible for booing Carson Wentz off the field. Right. right what a job. That's, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, there was one guy, uh, he was he was the quarterback in Minnesota. Um, he used to be on Washington and 
he he would have been struggling and the, he was all for playing with no fans because he wouldn't get booed and <laughs> he was he was right, thrilled. yeah he, he was absolutely <laughs> thrilled um yeah what so so you 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 go to school to study uh journalism and broadcast mm-hmm. journalism kind mm-hmm. of transitioning off this pandemic here um <laughs> how do you get into lacrosse what what was the connection or was that just where there was a job and you grabbed it yeah, like I always say, because I get asked this question all the time. Um, oh, crap. I, I gotta I only wish... ask original things. No, 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 no disrespect to the question because it is a good question. I just wish I had a good, you know, answer. Like I always dreamed of of covering the cross, um, but I didn't. Like I am from outside Philly, which is a lacrosse hotbed, uh, field lacrosse. The NLL is, of course, box lacrosse, but. Right. Um, I, being a journalist, especially broadcast journalist, is very nomadic. I had moved around so many times. Um, well, where did between... you grow up? Did you grow up in Philadelphia? Yeah, just outside Philly. And I hadn't had an opportunity to live in my hometown in Philadelphia as an adult, like since I graduated college, um, because when you're a broadcast journalist, when you're on air, it's you can't really pick and choose where you go. You go where the opportunities are. and I saw this opportunity come up and I had wanted to work in sports at the time I was working in Chicago as um, a morning anchor and uh, I saw this opportunity in my hometown, it was sports, but it also wasn't local news, which I don't, I personally don't love local news. Um, Right, because you're covering fires and car accidents. Yeah, yeah, Um, like overblowing uh, blizzards and snowstorms and yeah, all that fun stuff. and those so, people, like, I always feel like the reporters, like the anchors, you have it so much easier than the reporters. So much easier. Those reporters yeah. are putting, like, they're going out and all these different, you know, temperatures and all this different stuff. And I have friends in the television media, and I always say, get the mm-hmm. anchor job, man. That's so much easier. Well, I, side note, my first job on air was in Boise, Idaho. As, no uh, a They call them... MMJs, multimedia journalists now, right. not even like you're a reporter, your but you're, yeah, you're literally shooting your own stuff. You're setting up your own live oh, shot. God. And I happened to work there. I only spent a year there, but it was the year they had a record breaking winter. So oh, you're yeah. like driving around in these historical snowstorms, like by myself, setting up a lot. <laughs> like it was, I never want to relive those days. So yeah, safe to say I'm scarred from local news, saw this opportunity um applied and you know again it was in my hometown and I I did play lacrosse I'm familiar with the sport um so I took it and I'm so glad I did um I love it it's so fun I have you know creative freedom I usually get to travel not this year um so yeah but uh how long have you been with the NLL and uh how many years since boys are you know gentlemen if you're listening you don't ask a lady her age but you do say, how far removed are you from Boise, Idaho? That was in 2016. So I've been with the NLL since 2018. If you, yeah, we, we can, we can, right now listeners are doing math. So <laughs> I tried, <laughs> I screwed that up. Uh, <laughs> um, you look at, um, you know, it's interesting that you say about, about local news. I saw that in college. You know, I was inspired by uh, Dan Rather. Dan mm. Rather got me into sports by accident because mm. the story of Dan Rather is he was a, a reporter, a na- national news reporter, 
who just happened to be in Dallas in 1963 when JFK gets shot. He uh, happened to be there and he kicked ass, mm -hmm. but think about what he had to cover. He saw a guy get his brains blown out and he was there. That's his great moment. And I said, nope, news is not for me. I can't, I, I don't want to ever be that guy. And mm -hmm. I always wanted to be, and I, you know, I did minor league baseball. I worked in the New York Penn League uh, in the beginning of my career. And it was a little earlier than 2016, just a little. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember uh, doing it, riding the buses in the middle of the night, you know, with this minor league baseball team going, this is paying your dues. Like, this is what mm -hmm. that is. And I always am fascinated with people's paths to where mm -hmm. they go and, 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 and where they, they, they lie. Um, I think what the best thing for you is you are with a league that is committed to trying. Mm -hmm. They try everything in that league. And what I have learned from talking, I mean, we did the podcast with Nick. You were in Boise, Idaho. I think when we started the podcast with Nick, like Nick Sikavich came on at the very, very beginning. Like the, it was, it was in its infancy and what he, he, what I took away from him is that it wasn't that he was going to be brash and bold. It was that he was going to think brash and bold and that he was going to let the league speak for itself, that he wasn't going to start making outlandish claims, but he was going to have, outlandish great goals and i mm -hmm. i applauded that yeah um he's done amazing things as has jessica berman who came out came on um last year like again it's just wild that we are we haven't played in over a year and yet we are expanding still um and probably going to expand even more so like it's yeah i mean clearly it's not it's not failing at all. It's definitely just going up and up. And it's also really fun to be a part of not just a league, but a sport that's gaining so much momentum because I feel like more and more I meet people, you know, whether it be through work or friends and they're like, oh, you cover lacrosse. Oh, I just got into that, you know, or awesome. like I went to a game last year. It was amazing. So, um, yeah, it's really fun. The, uh, the arenas that you guys play in, um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I've seen the mm -hmm. list and the arenas are for the most part, um, smaller arenas, 10,000 seat arenas. Um, and I think there's an intimacy level in that. Um, I don't know how it plays and you would know better than I, um, what about the idea that, uh, the fans experience when you're at these games, again, you know, assuming that fans can come back when you come back in the fall. Look, if fans can't come back, you guys aren't playing. So it, yeah, you exactly. need fans to come back. Yeah. Um, but that it's a really intimate uh, feel. If you've ever seen it, like American, I, I, I used to work in the American Hockey League and I love those buildings. Those buildings, the Broome County Arena in Binghamton and the the, uh, the Knickerbocker Arena in, in Albany, Oh, who knows? They probably tore that down by now. But just the, these buildings, the Onondaga County War Memorial in Syracuse, like they are like eight to 12,000 seat arenas and every seat is a good seat. Well, so actually uh, a lot of our teams are owned by NHL teams and okay. they will, or sorry, NHL they'll play in the big arenas, huh? And they'll, yeah, like Philly, the Wings play at the Wells Fargo Center, which is where the Sixers and Flyers play. Uh, the Warriors, Vancouver, they play um, where the Canucks play. At the garage. They used to, that place used to be is called. Is that what the, it's called? It used to be called the GM place. 
and ah. General Motors, and they used to call it the garage. See, this is how far removed I am from like traveling and going to games. I used to know every single team's arena's name <laughs> or, and even like nickname for it. And I truly cannot remember what Vancouver is. I think it's is been changed. You know, Rogers renamed all their Rogers. I think right. it's Rogers Arena. Right. Yeah, because yeah. they renamed it. But it, to me, yeah. it's the garage. When I lived in Seattle, I used to work with the Mariners. And when I went to, I was such a hockey nut and Seattle didn't have hockey at the time. Um, we used to drive up on off days, you know, in the wintertime, we would mm -hmm. drive up to Vancouver to watch the Canucks. And I, I love that building like that. The, I've been to that place, you know, dozens of times again, you know, decades ago. So, mm -hmm. you know, now I feel about a hundred, but the, the, you, <laughs> you see where I'm going there. I do. I've actually never been to Vancouver or to, like, awesome. they're like one team that I had been wanting to go to to visit them and, and go to one of their games. But again, our, our season was cut short before that could happen. But back to your original question, uh, it depends on the market, like some newer markets where again, like you made that joke about Fort Worth where you don't necessarily associate it with lacrosse. I'm not, I have no idea, you know, what their attendance is gonna be like, but um, some markets are growing attendance where- I know it can be 100% starting now. <laughs> well, and then we have Couldn't other resist. teams who like Saskatchewan um, sells out their building every time the wings awesome. don't sell it out, but they'll get like a decent crowd, like up to 10,000. So um, it, it really just depends on the night, the schedule uh, and the market. But yeah, the, the atmosphere is insane. I think the craziest atmosphere I've been to uh, when it comes to an NLL game was in Calgary because they were hosting uh, oh, the nice. finals. It was game two of the finals. And, and it was in the Saddle Dome? The Saddle Dome was- oh, what a cool building. It was the loudest arena I've ever been that's in. Awesome. It was wild and it was an insane game. Um, and I oh, miss that. So cool. <laughs> I haven't been around that many people in so long. I know, right? <laughs> that's, so, that's so cool. <laughs> you keep mentioning uh, Philadelphia and you say you, you grew up there. My favorite Philadelphia story is Twitter. Um, in 2011, so I had been on, I joined Twitter in 09, but in 2011, I worked with the Phillies. So I did their, uh, their pre and post for their, uh, their, their radio games on uh, PHT. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. This was the year that they were supposed to be great. They won 100 games, Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee. They were supposed to be great, and they lost in the first round to the Cardinals. And uh, that's when Ryan Howard broke, uh, tore his Achilles in the last play of the game. And uh, I worked there for one, one season. And because I had joined Twitter so early, most of my followers were Philadelphia Phillies people. Like that's mm -hmm. why you would follow me. Yeah. And what Philadelphia people, and I, I think it's an amazing sports town. It is not what the stupid rumors, you know, the, the stigmas about Philadelphia fans. Thank it's a, you. A wonderful it's place. <laughs> Citizens Bank Park is the first park I took my kids to when they were really, really small. Um, oh, I, I think that a playground there is amazing and it's just a great atmosphere. And they ha I was there for the mascot, the Fanatics birthday, and they brought all the mascots, which is another bonker story. But the the bottom line is, I had a great experience and I still have a great affinity for the folks uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies, but I am from New Jersey and I make no secret about my adoration for the New Jersey Devils. That's my hmm. team. I moved to New Jersey the same day that the Colorado Rockies hockey team moved to New Jersey. I'm a Devils fan since minute one. 
Wow. So okay. I had a, a so in 2011, my second daughter was born and we took her to the mall to because it was freezing outside. It was like January and it was like 10 degrees outside. So we couldn't take her for a walk around the block. So we took her to the mall just to push her on the stroll stroller and let her take a nap. And the devils were playing the flyers on like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, but the game was in Philadelphia and the devils after two periods of play were winning five, nothing. And all I tweeted was every one of these goals feels great. And I got hundreds of you're a traitor. You're not one of us. And I was like, just because I like the Phillies, why do I have to like your stinking hockey team? I hate the flyers. And it was the the first great Twitter battle of my life. I'd never seen anything like that. You would have thought I had said, you know, Jesus's name in vain. It was crazy. <laughs> That's wild. And it reminds me of something that um, one of my first bosses told me, and this was actually, we don't need to get into this, but I lived in LA for two years before I went back to grad school. And my boss- so before was Boise, like, you lived in LA? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, you've been everywhere. <laughs> I really, I've, yeah. And that's exactly why I took a job in Philadelphia. Cause I was like, no, I'm joke. done. <laughs> um, the You're point so is my lived in Los my, Angeles and Boise in the same decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my boss was like, oh, you're from Philly. I've been to Philly, but like, to be honest with you, I didn't really like it. And I was like, why? He's like, I really like the city itself, but I kind of felt like everyone there was in a club that I wasn't invited to. <laughs> and I've never heard a more accurate description of Philadelphia in my life because we're very, like we have a bad reputation from the outside, but if you're in it, especially Philly sports, like we are loyal till the end. Yep. Um, but if you kind of show that maybe your loyalty lies somewhere else, as you learned with your devil's mistake, like, or I don't want to call it a mistake, but admission, yep. they will turn on you and they will eat you alive. <laughs> uh, it was, it was wild. I'd never seen anything like it. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know what social media, like I was just learning it. I was, you know, it was in right. its infancy and I just was getting crushed from from people in Philadelphia and I was like wow I will never make that mistake again but oh I don't like your stinking team and I do want to call back to an earlier episode for the uh for the audience another homage to the Flyers just because I have to like send them a virtual fu uh in episode 203 of the podcast we had uh, arguably well not even arguably we had the greatest goalie of all time Martin Brodeur on the podcast and I asked him who is the devil's second biggest rival because everybody knows the Rangers would be their number one rival because they're six miles apart. But a lot of people think it's the Islanders. It's not, it's the flyers mm. and the devil's fan hates the flyers from all those years with Scott Stevens and Eric Lindros battling it out um, more than anything with the long Island clowns. And I always say the Islanders aren't good enough to be our second best rival. And it's always been the Flyers. And that that's one of my favorite moments of the podcast, because he literally said, oh, are you kidding? It's, of course, it's Philadelphia. And I was like, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, like, I felt vindicated for saying that that day. Right. You, you got validation from a from a player himself. So, you know, it's real. <laughs> we'll get back to sports with friends in just a moment. But first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? 
It's like Sports with Friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies, and when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports, but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. No worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. So what do you do for the wings in addition to the league? Like, so, is that like a freelance gig or something? Yeah, so it's separate kind of from the league. Um, I'm their sideline reporter. Um, so when we're in season, um, I'm part of their broadcast team. And uh, I mean, it changes, but they're like each team has their own broadcast deal. Like we at least, and I'm speaking just in terms of the 2020 season, um, our overall broadcast deal was with Bleacher Report Live right, and Turner Sports. Yep. Um, but then each team has usually, some of them don't, like a local deal. So uh, the Wings was with NBC Sports Philadelphia. So I was the sideline reporter for them. And it was really fun. I loved it. And how do you juggle like their games versus if there's a big NLL game and they want you to go to that game? Like, would you do like a Friday at one place and a Sunday at another? Like, is oh, that... Yeah. Is that <laughs> tell us like this, these are the stories oh, yeah. that people love like they, they, they love that stuff this is why this whole year has been such like a learning curve for me because like when we're in season i'm literally just go 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 so i'll give you a couple examples so a i only i tried to like work out my schedule in a way where i didn't have to miss a, a wings game um i did have to miss one for uh, to cover our Vegas game because I had a sideline report for that one. Um, and they just had a, a fill-in for me. But uh, one weekend last January was a Wings game on Friday night. Okay. And then the next day, there was there's this uh, massive event called LaxCon. It's put on by U.S. Lacrosse, and it was at the Philadelphia Convention Center. Hosted a panel with three oh, Wings players that afternoon went straight to the airport, got on a flight to San Diego, went to San Diego's game on Sunday afternoon oh, and did wow. interviews and then nice. flew back to Philadelphia that night. It was <laughs> exhausting. So yeah, it's again, it's a lot of travel, but I love it. Um, like that kind of stuff, like that's, it gives me a rush, you know? And yeah, I miss that because now I'm yep. just like sitting at home doing Zoom interviews. So it's not, right. it doesn't hit the same. <laughs> oh, it's night, night and day. I remember my favorite uh, Philadelphia travel is uh, we had to be, I was working for MLB at the time. So this is before 08. Uh, the Phillies had a big game and we had to do pregame for that. And the devils were playing in the playoffs and the Acela could get from Philadelphia to Newark. And it would literally drop you off right across the street from the Newark arena. Mm -hmm. So we were done. You know, I think we had to be off the field at six 15. I was in Newark by seven 30 game started at seven like I totally made it and I would remember like this is awesome like this is so cool and I just remember like travel is so much fun um mm -hmm. the worst travel I ever had was with the New York Mets in 2014 I had a Thursday night game in Atlanta 
and a Friday night game in Anaheim. Oh, wow. Okay. That sucked. And I was exhausted (laughs) and I don't know how player, this is why I was, I'm pro greenies. I was pro amphetamines after this because I was like, I'm I'm tired and I'm just broadcasting these goddamn games. Yeah. How are these players playing this thing? Yeah. And I said that there should be a rule that if you're traveling more than a thousand miles, you should have to play a day game before. Like just mm-hmm. to give you a couple of extra hours. But and people are like in sports, they're like, oh, you're staying in nice hotels and you're flying and this and that. And, that. and I go, it doesn't matter. It's it, no, it's not the middle seat on Delta, but it still stinks. Like sometimes the, these things can be really, really taxing. There was mm-hmm. a month on this podcast where we had the busiest people in sports because they were doing nothing. So we had <laughs> Kenny Albert and Ian Eagle, like guys that are literally doing 250 nights a year. And we were just like amazed that they're climbing the walls in their houses, just trying to Mm -hmm. be at things. And I can just, I can empathize. I don't travel nearly as much as I used to, but oh my God, my heart goes out to you because I can just imagine your entry level. And now it's almost like your, your brain has atrophied, you know what I mean? Because you're not, you, you don't have the rush of being there like you used to. Well, that's exactly it. And I actually... Uh, was going to bring this up when you mentioned, um, oh my gosh, again, my brain, I, yeah. the, who, with the big break when JFK was assassinated, oh, Dan Rather, yeah, Dan, Dan Rather, Rather, Dan Rather, thank you. Um, where, you know, local news, national news, um, sport, especially for me, sports, it's like, whatever your pick your poison, but yep. it's, I think journalists are constantly chasing that high. It's like a, it's a, cause it is a high, like it's a rush when you, get the, totally. uh, even if it's morbid, you know, when someone gets shot or there's a fire or an overtime game where it's just like this rush and you miss it. And I think all journalists, um, I mean, the lucky ones are back covering live games, but still it's probably not the same without, you know, a packed house full of people. Um, you just miss, at least I miss that rush. It's not the same when you're, you know, doing it over zoom or recording yeah. things that aren't live. So I did want to ask you uh, that, that one aspect, I don't know how the lacrosse does it, um, but it, it's, and it's kind of a loaded question because mm-hmm. what Definitely. I've noticed is I think teams and players are going to like not having reporters in the locker room anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a loaded question because you are a woman and I just wonder, is that a, a comfortable, uncomfortable? Is it easy to, everybody's different. We've had so many women on this podcast, but mm-hmm. everybody has a different answer. But is that something that, is that the kind of access that you want and you should have? And do you think in the post-pandemic sports world, see, I think we're never going back into locker rooms. I, I think I think the players associations are going to say, this is much better. I'd rather do 15 minutes on Zoom than have a, 25 reporters at my locker um i mean i disagree i think it's necessary um this it is international women's day and i do have a very strong opinion on it it was it was the podcast comes out on wednesday (laughs) oh it was it was well it's women's history month yes Um, there you go women's history month there you go on, on point i have a very strong opinion on um a lot of networks deciding to like when making cuts lay off their sideline reporters which is 
most often the only women and the only job a woman can get on a live sports broadcast because women are never hired as analysts and we're never hired in the booth. Yeah, there's a few, you know, Doris Burke, obviously, but like I could list them on one hand. Um, And I just, I hope that that's not the case because if players and, and leagues decide to not allow people in the locker rooms and not allow reporters down on the sidelines, then that eliminates a lot of opportunities for women in sports and limits what's already extremely limited for women in sports. So I really hope that we go back to having reporters um, have access and have women have as much access as men. Right. I, I What I was thinking is humans are not going to be in locker rooms. It's not going to be men or women. I, I just don't right. think. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be more like for example, what the WNBA has, nobody's allowed in the, in the locker room for the WNBA, it's mm-hmm. only podiums and now it zooms, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I, I, I could see it going to that level. And I, from what I understand, a lot of European sports uh, have podiums as well. Shannon Dreyer uh, works with the Mariners radio network. She's amazing. I'd love to connect you to um, she uh, w- works for the, the Mariners and she's kind of their insider on field pre and post game. And during the entire 2020 season, she didn't talk to one player. Mm-hmm. She was thrilled that one of the pitchers is coming back for a second tour of duty because she has his phone number and she can talk to him off, off a of zoom. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. And what I've, what I've noticed is journalism has changed what you don't notice. And I I don't know how closely you'd pay attention to this. You don't hear the profiles of the fourth defenseman on the flyers. You don't hear those stories. You don't read them because you only get the, the, the big guns. You get the guy who scored the goal or you get the guy who, you know, got the touchdown. And those are the people on zoom and the reporters can only do go with what they have. And if Mm -hmm. they didn't have a player's, uh, personal information early on, they don't have access to them. And that's weird. I covered the New York Jets this fall and I didn't know Adam Gase. I don't know him from a hole in the wall because mm-hmm. I hadn't been there when, when, when he is. He's not looking at me on Zoom going, yeah, yeah, I want to have a private conversation with this joker. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just human nature. So Shannon's whole job was in jeopardy. She, luckily, the Mariners stayed loyal to her, but she needs to be able to have that kind of access to get that kind of insight to make her job relevant. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, like I think, sorry, I, I had to, I clearly feel very passionately about my stance no, on like, other reporters, I'm good, good. but um, in terms of like a lock, like going into the locker room. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm honestly fine with if it were to switch to a podium, um, even if that, even if the podiums, you know, back in person where you're not like up in someone's face with a microphone. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think access is more important now, you know, pandemic or not. I think the theme in sports moving forward, at least, you know, over the next few years is going to be access because of social media, um, because of trends in digital media. You know, people like that's why we're getting these, you know, new NFL shots with these 4K cameras that are up in players faces when they score a touchdown. Um, And we're miking up players more and more because fans want that access. You can watch a highlight anywhere. You can watch that on the broadcast. When you log on to Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, 
you know, you want to see what these guys are like when they're not on the field or what they're saying that the broadcast microphones might not necessarily pick up. So um, I think it's like a balance. You know, do you need a million reporters in a locker room? I don't know. I think you could easily get the same sound bites from a podium, but who am I to say? <laughs> All right. A final thing, and I did not know we were going on that tangent, but I love it. That's what this podcast is <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I, 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 I am thrilled. Um, this has been a, a ton of fun. Um, what is your opinions? We, we kind of did social media a little bit um, outside of Phillies fans hating or Flyer fans hating me. Um, how do you feel about social media? Is it something that helps your career and has it helped your brand and as a woman it can be a cesspool and how do you filter that out because you have you experiencing things on social media that I will never experience yeah that's true um I I don't know so yes social media can be horrible but I think throughout this past year it's a just kept people connected um I think for me, like I love creating content. So I, social media, especially social media, like TikTok and Twitter have almost helped me this year because it's an outlet. You know, if I'm having, like I said, I hate being bored. I love creating. So it just gives me a place to express myself as lame as that sounds. Um, I think social media, like Instagram where everything has to look perfect and whatnot, that can be a little bit tough. Um, and as for, you know, the comments and things you get from creepy men or trolls, I just ignore them. I can't I just imagine. don't even I, look. But, but, but that doesn't, but like, that doesn't impact, like that's an easy thing to block and, and to block out. I would imagine. Yeah. It's just, it must be so awkward because when I get people who are angry with me, they're angry mm -hmm. for something I've said. Mm -hmm. you it can be because you look good in a picture like literally like yeah or like you didn't i didn't no one looks to, at like, me in a DM. picture going oh man you're hot let's talk like yeah. that's not how people <laughs> react to men i mean any men let alone normal looking ones yeah i mean it's it's a reality a lot of women have to face like it's unfortunate that i'm like just numb to it um uh, okay yeah, like, I don't know. I see certain things. I think, like, the worst are the men who get mad. Like, if they DM something, like, creepy, and obviously I'm not going to answer it, but, like, then I don't answer, and then I get, like, a F you, you know? Like, that's really crappy, I was about to say. Uh, bad word. Um, <laughs> Those are allowed but, on this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just... I think it's an unfortunate reality that a lot of women have to deal with every single day, so... I, I, I can imagine. And it's such a toxic workplace. I would like to think, mm -hmm. though, that people can be um, more uh, uh, what's the what's the word um, accountable people mm -hmm. are. I'd, I'd like to think people are more accountable these mm -hmm. days. You know, you see the 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 story like with that manager uh the, the guy with the angels now uh, mickey calloway like scumbags mm -hmm. are being called out and you know i don't think men and I, I think this way when it comes to racism too i don't think um men or white people deserve awards for just doing what's right just yeah. do what's right just be upstanding mm -hmm. and be accountable for your actions 
And mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's something that is hard to do. And I don't think that's something that should be noted to do. Um, I just, but I also think it should not be assumed. I don't think you should assume that a guy is a good guy. Like, no, I want to earn people's trust, you know? Never. Yeah. Yeah. And like, honestly, thinking about it, I think the, a lot of men and women think about what, especially like women in sports or, you know, public figures or just people who have public profiles, um, the worst that we have to deal with is, you know, creepy comments and, you know, mean things. But for me, that's not necessarily it. It's actually more, you know, the microaggressions like, oh, you work in sports? Like, how much do you know about lacrosse? Did you play lacrosse? Questions that if I were a man, I, I would that. not get. Yeah. yeah. So it's more like that bothers me a lot more than like a random troll DMing me something right. creepy. Um, but I would that imagine, I just ignore. I would imagine, and I think this applies for, for all broadcasters, men and women, what I try to do, and I'm not saying I'm the expert on this by any stretch, but what I try to do is when I criticize, I don't criticize the physical, meaning mm. I will never say that player should have jumped higher or that runner should have run faster because unless I can jump higher or run faster, who am I to tell a guy what to do? What I will mm -hmm. criticize is why was he in that position? Why was that left fielder playing all the way down the line when he should have been covering the gap? Like mm -hmm. that to me is a fair criticism from a media standpoint. And I think that's where there's a line that as long as you don't cross that line, like another example, I never tell an athlete to retire. Mm -hmm. Unless you have played the game, unless you have worn his shoes or her shoes, um, you don't get the right to say one way or the other that that person should hang it up. If a team is willing to give them an opportunity, that's their life. That's their life. Mm -hmm. That's their choice, not yours. Mm -hmm. My one request, though, is if you do retire and you have pomp and circumstance when you retire, Brett Favre, Roger Clemens, um, then stay retired. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like no athletes stay retired these days. If you days. get the adulation, you're done. Yeah, that, that's yeah. it. <laughs> then then like walk it away mean, like, the like look at Gronk. Right. I feel like he's retired like three times. Right. That I have an issue with. That yeah. because when they do it, they give you all the accolades and all the all the mm -hmm. the, 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 the the tributes and the and the you know all the all the, the the memories. And then all of a sudden, two months later, they just they change their mind. Mm -hmm. And I just mm -hmm. was like, then don't say it the first time. Right. <laughs> like we're, we already mourned you. You're gone. Like Julio Franco was this baseball player played into his fifties. Right. Mm -hmm. I was all for He never retired. And you know what? Some Puerto Rican league team signed him to a contract. Go get him. That's your hey, you livelihood. Love the game. You don't want to leave exactly. it. Go for it. Exactly. If you, if someone's willing to pay you to do it, go for it. Yeah. Um, given the social media uh, targets there, um, how do people find you online? Uh, my name, Devin Caney, D-E-V-A-N-K-A-N-E-Y. That's my Instagram handle. And Twitter is same thing, just with TV at the end. So at Devin Caney TV. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I, I hope you had a good time. And I once the season comes me. back, uh, I want to follow your travails. I want to follow all your travels. But I hope you come back and do the podcast again. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'd be honored. Um, hopefully next time we talk, I'll have, you know, more going on. We'll be going to games 
packed right. houses. How about that? We'll record it live from an arena. That would be so yeah, much fun. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be I fun. have um my I have a portable mic and a portable you know recorder that I've mm-hmm. recorded podcasts. I even in 2019 bought and made mic flags for this podcast that has stayed in my briefcase bag for 12 months because i don't even know so if the sad. battery still works because every episode we've done i've recorded right here right yep just from home very strange well thank you so much um again appreciate you having me on this was so great no go follow Devin caney and uh support her and she's done some great stuff and the lacrosse league they're going to play in the fall and i will be watching i will have the apps whatever it is i'll be watching and uh, uh, and, and as we say at the end of every episode, uh, if there's anything that you heard in this episode that you have an issue with or anything that you're complaining about, God. do me a favor, reach out to Devin personally and leave me the hell out of it because I don't want to hear about it. Uh, thanks to Devin Caney and the National Lacrosse League for uh, doing this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We will see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today To be available for you to see I'm about to go, and then you'll know For me to stay, I got to be me You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Come on, Taking up my time